Good evening, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We are a podcast that used to be about books. I am your host, Alex Falcone, jo- uh, recording today in North Koreatown, Los Angeles. Still inside. Still inside. Um, before we start with the show, did you guys have good fourths? Oh, mine was okay. I went to a park. Just you went kinda, to a park? Just just had a had a little picnic in a park. Me and me That's and Elena. Lovely. We went. Yeah. My wife and I went to a little park. We had a park. That's the only to, thing you uh, can do. I gotta shove pills down my cat's throats. Yeah. And oh, watch, yeah. Watch them be a little stoned, but it's better than them being terrified. Man, yeah. the the neighborhood uh, that I am in has a lot of fireworks and also a lot of the saddest dogs. Uh, so we had that both noises, and it just just seemed irresponsible not to have drugged all the dogs. Yeah, I mean, I you know it was pretty intense here in Oregon, but I'm sure you saw it, that video of the Los Angeles skyline. Yeah, that was like this helicopter shot that if you put like the music from Blade Runner over it, <laughs> exactly how you could throw a sequel for that movie is. I did see that. I also footage. felt it from the ground level. It is. Yeah. It was the craziest. There, there have been fireworks every day. Literally every day since I moved here, um, there's just always fireworks for no reason. So the fact that there was suddenly a fireworks day was the most bonkers thing I've ever experienced. It was, uh, it was just, it was, and it was like fun, and just like twenty percent terrifying. Like the whole time I was <laughs> like, I'm having fun, but I would love this to be over. And it was not over until about four thirty in the morning. Oh boy. finally stopped. My the closest one to us is like about half block away. Guy had invested all of his money. He put everything he had into fireworks. I think uh, it was the most fireworks, and he only started it too. So it was like it was getting closer to us as the night went on. It was bonkers, but I just wanted to like hug all the dogs and give them a pot brownie because it was a fucked up night. I do want to thank before I introduce our panel. I just want to also thank some meat buddies who have recently moved over to the new Metreon, including Joanne Burrows, Michelle Saint, and Harris Schiffman. So thank you guys. All, thank all three of you for your continued generosity and questionable taste. Okay, let me introduce you to your panel for today. First up uh, in Southeast Portland is Mr. Anthony Lopez. Hey, excited to be here. What were what kind of drugs do your cat get? Does your cat uh, get? We got some drugs from the vet. I don't know the name. Uh, uh, and how, stone, it, how Stony Baloney was the cat? Well, so there's two cats. Right. Uh, and they oh, got yeah, the same pills, even though there's let's say a times three difference in the size of our cats. One of them is very small. One of them is a big, big old chunky boy. Um, <laughs> and they both got pretty high, but they, like I said, it was the same dosage. So I was like, I wonder how this is going to go. Um, yeah. And the little guy was all fucked up. He could uh-huh. barely walk straight. Uh, yeah. He just laid down a lot. Um, he was really, really cuddly. The big, him good. <laughs> yeah, the big guy. He, uh, the big guy Mick is also like he's he's the only animal I've ever seen who like gets embarrassed. Uh, like <laughs> if he, oh, like if he goes to like try to jump on something and like misses it rather than like dust it off, he like gets embarrassed and shy and walks away. Uh, he's a very he's a very prideful soul. Um, yeah, so like he was that. really like, gotta keep it cool, gotta play it cool. I, I'm I'm totally fine. I'm not feeling it. I'm not. He's not scared. Usually he reacts very poorly to fireworks. So, you know. Uh, so last year was really hard for him, but this mm. year they they seemed okay. 
Uh, it's really getting them to eat it. That's the problem. We tried like mixing it in with food. That didn't work. So I was like, all right, we got to go old school. I'm going to hold you and no, I'm going to hold you and, uh, hold, hold your mouth closed until I feel you swallow it. So that, yeah. that was fun. Oh, that's and they unpleasant. just, I just wish I could like communicate to my cats. Like, listen, I am never going to try and hurt you. Anytime I'm doing anything to you, it's for your own good. Mm-hmm. Or Please an don't accident. fight me on it. You know, I'm never yeah. going to like grab you and pulled you in a weird position just for funsies. I'm not going to make you take a drug just because I think it'll suck for you. Yeah, yeah. You're not me, all right? I'm not going to (laughs) abuse you with drugs, okay? (laughs) I I have respect Uh, and I like you. uh, So it's like, it's just uh, (laughs) Mick, the big guy. Oh, that was cute, and then it got so sad at the end. uh, He made it very difficult. It was quite, it was just like, if you would just work with us, this would be over already. Uh, But no, it was was good. And besides that, once they calmed down, we went for like a walk around the block, my wife and I, and saw some nice fireworks. Yeah. Uh, And then, yeah, it was was an okay fourth. I'm not... um, I don't know about you guys. I know, Alex, you just, you know, you're all raw, raw, red, white, and blue. Uh, fan. I've big never fan. been a big fan of the 4th of July, just in general. Uh, and this year, it's not, things going it's on. Not, it's a little yeah. bit even harder to muster any kind of excitement. Or well, I actually feel like that actually, that may have helped me a little bit, because normally I feel obligated to try to figure out how to have fun. And this year I didn't. Um but yeah, I like I feel the same way on the fourth as I do on a lot of other holidays where I'm like, this is a day where I'm required to have fun and I do not know how. Uh I like I'm not a big barbecue dude and I'm not a big uh, uh, uh fireworks person. And like as a kid I sat through a lot of like classical concerts, uh patriotic music concerts that my parents liked. But there's not a lot of, yeah, there's never been a lot of things that I'm super stoked about. And in fact, having all the fireworks happen um, terrifyingly close to my face was kind of nice because there was not a long line to leave, like when you go to the big fireworks display in the park. So I don't know. This actually may have been an okay one as far as I'm concerned. I I, I feel like I have to just like reinvent traditions for myself for all holidays that I do, that don't fit for me the same way. Yeah, like Thanksgiving is a big turkey holiday, and I don't need turkey, so that's, that's a bummer. So I have to figure out how to like find the right kind of fun that's not just tofurkey, Alex gets dude. a Boca burger, Boca burger, and sits in the corner. No, dude, you got to cut the big tofurkey. You got to have a I, giant I love a tofurkey. Yeah, yeah. I might, I've had some very fun uh, vegan Thanksgivings, um, but like or like New Year's, just like how do you have fun on New Year's if you don't drink? It's really difficult to figure out. Dude, pretend um, to be drunk, like. <laughs> It's so easy. Like, the, uh, the, can you throw a hard one my way? Because for <laughs> Tofurky, easy. All right, Pretend all right. Be drunk. Easy. Okay, okay. Um, Father's Day. Father's Day. Kiss your dad square on the lips. <laughs> no, I stole that. No, yeah. you're just saying bad ideas. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. Uh. All right. And also joining us, he's at Hun Bun on Letterbox between two Popeyes in Portland. It's Hunter yeah. Donaldson. Hey, buddy. Yeah, it's me. Hey, can I share a quick Fourth of July story? I also don't care. Yeah, about we're doing this all messy in with the intros, but yeah, let's do it. Sure. Uh, so uh, this was fr- when I was in early college. Um, my friend and co-host of my other podcast, Space Cats Peace Turtles, uh, his name is Matt. Uh, new, he new actually, daddy. yeah. Oh, Andy's a daddy now. New daddy. Um, 
he uh, is actually, or he used to be really into fireworks when he was a, when he was a younger man, mm. and uh, in kind of that dangerous way. And one Hell time, yeah. mm. <laughs> uh, me and a friend of mine who at the time was, uh, I don't know how important this is to the story, but he, but well, actually, I think it does help with the visual a little bit, and and he wouldn't be offended. He was at the time a larger boy, a bigger boy. He's a he's mm. a slimmer boy these days, but at the time he was a larger boy. And Matt threw a bottle rocket into the air the bottle rocket zoomed right at my larger friend's tum-tum bounces off of his tum-tum oh no onto the ground blows up right in front of him we scream and then he immediately puked it was (laughs) very good it was a very good it was the most patriotic Uh, i've ever felt i just pretty wonderful yeah i mean i i i don't know about I don't, can't imagine like Alex you doing this, but like I remember when I was a teen, we, me and my friends would go, and you know, it used to be very hard to get illegal fireworks in Oregon, but now it's apparently they're just handing them out. Apparently, it's gotten um, much easier everywhere. Yeah, but yeah, I just we used to go and just buy like a hundred dollars worth of what we could get, and then just disassemble all of them and yes. create two fireworks. I'm so surprised. Oh, no. Fourth of July that I still have all my limbs. No, that's the never, worst idea. Never hurt anybody. Oh uh, my god! Yeah, just you know, you take a bunch of shitty fireworks, put them all into one container. No, this uh-huh. not, no, this is not. Oh you my god! You got yourself a fireworks pile right there. Light them all yeah. up at once, oh, and then it's yeah. just a whole barrel so, of fun. Yeah. I I grew up in a in a very flammable region, and. You could not like I never heard of somebody having fireworks. I never heard an illegal firework go off until college. They were just they were not around in the numbers uh, anywhere near the numbers they are now. And it like in in Nevada, it's so flammable that those little champagne New Year's poppers that just have streamers come out the butt. Those were considered a fire hazard and you could not buy them in Nevada. There's enough spark apparently in that little like plastic. Thoop, that's enough. You couldn't get them. Like there was just no fireworks around like that as a kid. Um, so I I like fireworks operated safely by professionals. Um, I don't like this idea. This is just so scary to me. Um, the best fireworks display I ever saw in Reno was where uh, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago now, where uh, they shot like the third firework they shot off. Professionals. This is the the city show. The third one. Um, instead of going up and exploding, just stayed where it was and exploded. And when yes. you explode a firework in a pile of fireworks, they all go off at the same time. Yes. So the big city show lasted 15 seconds and was the most spectacular thing I've ever seen. That's and then the whole hillside great. hillside caught on fire. Oh, it wow. was, it was, which turned out fine. It was just sagebrush and they contained it, but it was cause they had a lot of fire trucks around cause it was a fire show. But, um, it was just the, it was like, this can't be on purpose. This is too good. And then, yeah, and then they're just like sirens and they're putting out the fire on the hillside. That was terrific. But I like it in the hands of professionals, not in this like, blow your hand up for away. Do you think in a situation like that, when your third firework sets off the rest of the fireworks, you like put in a lower bid next to you for the fireworks show? (laughs) Or you just don't show up at all? How does that look? Do you think you like, guys, such a good question. Um, I think you charge more the next year for sure. Yeah. Cause the way city government funding would probably go, you'd be like, well, we had to, add, you know, we, we had to cut those increase safety. Yeah. We had to cut yeah. corners to meet your, your budget requirement, pay us more. We'll actually do it safely. 
you, you can't afford not to buy us uh, the more expensive yeah. version. Plus, I don't know. Guess what? I have access to all these explosions. Explosions. Right. Right. Do you really want to wrong me, city council? Yeah, the first time was kind of a threat, actually. <laughs> actually, the one of my other favorite fireworks shows was when we were in Vegas one year, because my aunt and uncle lived in Vegas, and we went down there for a 4th of July, and their city fireworks was the year they were imploding one of the casinos. And so they they started with the pirate casino shot its fake cannons in the direction of the other casino that fireworks go off and then the the old casino is imploded so there's just the whole show of fireworks and actually destroying a massive building in the heart of the city so that makes it feel like it's a little threatening too it's like that's if you don't ridiculous. like the company, we can wreck a hotel that's that, very vegas that feels so vegas. Very, that's delightful that feels just very america to me like we'll mm-hmm. Like was celebrating, looking up and destroying buildings on the ground floor. Well, I don't know. This I don't. I don't think the show exists anymore. But but Treasure Island had this huge pirate show outside with two big ships, and one of the ships sinks, and pyrotechnics and all this cool stuff. And they would just do it like every twenty minutes on the strip. But the key was the pirates win in that show. Like they kill the British and win because it's a pirate themed casino. And they're like, let's go inside and celebrate. We just won. But like the show was about murdering the Brits. So it was a very 4th of July themed show. It was perfect for that. Yeah. Um, I bring all this up. Um, uh, to, I'm actually going to use this to transition, in fact, into my um, uh, first segment. What, what else have you guys watched this week? So um, it was the 4th of July. And so uh, my wife and I watched the American musical 1776. Are you guys familiar? Oh, I do not know. Yeah. Helped inspire Hamilton. Um, I don't know the direct chain there, but I'm sure it did. Um, uh, well, and I want I want to ask you guys about Hamilton too in a second. But um, 1776 is like not the most popular musical, and it was made into a movie like right after movie musicals were successful. So it was it's, like it stirs Mr. Feeny from Boy Meets World, right? Yeah, as as a, a Sam Adams, Adams, not. Sorry, it's John Adams, and it's um. I yeah. haven't even seen this movie, and I know more about it than you do, Alex. <laughs> Sorry, Sam Adams has just got more name recognition these days because of his beer. But the uh, yeah, um, yeah, Mr. Feeney uh, is in it, and he's great. And it, my parents love this musical. They saw it when they were living in D.C. in like a park with Mr. Feeney playing the title character, not title, the main character, and it's just one of their favorite shows. And so my mom watches this musical every year. I haven't since I moved out. But it's it's so there's a couple of things, even if you haven't seen the show that I think are relatable. And the first one is like, have you guys ever had a thing where you didn't find out till later that not everybody loves the thing your family loves? Because like I was like, this is, a, this is a perfect musical. Everybody loves this musical. We watch it every year. It's so right. great. And then I went to show it to my wife and she hated it. Um, and so we stopped watching it. It was like five, six, ten years ago. And so I was like, this time I was like, we should just, just like, maybe it's a different setting. Let's actually just sit through, watch the whole thing. I think you will like it. It's everybody loves it. It's perfect. And then when we go to turn on, like the, our player has all these reviews next to it. And it's like Roger Ebert. I hate the music on this show. <laughs> and it's just like, maybe this isn't a perfect musical. Right. It was very weird. I just didn't, it never occurred to me that people could not like it. Cause it's but you just, guys messed up cause you were a family and you were all, you guys created a little bubble where this yeah. was a good musical. We were in the isn't. 1776 bubble forever. Yeah. I will say though, I was expecting then once I started getting that information, I was like, Oh no, maybe this is like only our family likes it, but it's actually okay. I think like I would recommend it. I think you could enjoy it. There's a lot of good stuff about it. But then the other relatable thing, hopefully is that I realized while watching this one 
that I'd only ever watched the edited for TV version that my oh, mom had boy. recorded on VHS. Mm-hmm. So there was like an hour of scenes I'd never seen before. Wow. There that, was the full musical was cut for the TV I, version? Yeah, it's like 246 was this version and the the TV version was like 2 maybe yeah, some probably like 45 minutes were cut. So you of course didn't like the new version, right? Or actually, well, there's a couple of things they did well and a couple of things they did badly. So there's this one song where they cut out a whole verse about how all the women of Virginia are full-bosomed, and that was a good edit. Yeah. You didn't need that verse. It kind of really messed up the song about freedom. I don't um, know. You got it like, have you been to Virginia? It checks out, you know? I've yeah. only been one. I don't so know. freedom for what? Like, what's the point of the freedom, really? No, the, so- the song was about how the delegate from Virginia was going to propose independence, but then he adds at the end this little coda about how great the bosoms of the women of Virginia are, and I did not know that and it was there. And they inspire him to, you know what I mean? Freedom. Like, it's like obvious to me. What's so that one was kind of like, I thought that was a good edit. But then also, fascinatingly, the version that I saw did was missing an entire song. Um, and there's because one of the, there's a song in the musical, apparently, that I saw for the first time that is about how the people who didn't want to leave Britain in the Continental Congress were they, they sing the song about how they don't want to leave because they like the money and property that Britain has given them. And the producers of the, of the musical or of the movie were friends with Richard Nixon and Richard Nixon hated that song because he thought it was about him and his friends. And so he insisted that they remove it from the, from the movie and uh, the director refused. So they waited till he was on vacation and then edited out and destroyed the negatives. Wow. And Tricky it turns Dick. out tricky. Yeah, Dick. He, that's He's so trickster. That's tricky. how he got that name. But so it turns out he like the editor who was told to destroy the negatives secretly didn't shred the negatives. And so they like put it back in the movie like 15 years ago. So I saw the song for for the first time and it gives the musical way more bite. It's like a much more interesting show, actually, with that. So. So the Nixon edit was not good. You like I would not recommend the Nixon edit of the movie, although I also would recommend taking out the coda about the bosoms because it's really defeating of your purpose. First off, Alex, I'm really sick of the anti-bosom agenda that you're spreading on this show. (laughs) I I agree. It's really getting tired. You know what? I just... I yeah. just like, you know, check yourself. You think you're, you think you're right, basically. You think you're on the right side of stuff, but I think, I, I just, think, I think you're dead wrong. I yeah, just think I, Senator Lee of Virginia is going to be canceled for having sung about them. I'm not saying bosoms themselves are the problems. You can't I get think canceled for bosoms, right? Get off you, Alex. Yeah, everything about if you tweeted this song, he would have been canceled, and rightfully so. Yeah, that's uh, why you don't tweet these things. You say them on the floor of Congress, like a respectable right, gentleman. Right. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and say, yeah, of course, you can't say that in Twitter, but you could say yeah. it in Congress. You don't have sure. characters. Yeah. Um, but I, the the irony of the one thing Nixon actually asked to have destroyed. Uh, <laughs> not getting destroyed. A, a guy who is notorious for should have destroyed things yeah that would have really a good helped. point if he had uh, the stuff he really should have cut you know <laughs> that he just didn't that he just obsessively collected because he thought ah this will never come back to bite people me will want to hear this someday so yeah. Funny. Uh, yeah that's just i ironic did you did you guys watch hamilton this weekend i ha- I, I don't have disney plus right now so i i did watch hamilton over the weekend and um, uh did you have a great time did you love it 
Uh, it's it's pretty good. Um, it's definitely the it's the type of thing that I think like um like while you're in it, like I've heard a bit of the music from it, and I've always thought you know it's like some of it is pretty catchy. Um, it's it's the type of thing with a a lot of live theater with me where it's just like if if you're sitting there and you're like really in it and just the choreography and the the set decoration yeah, yeah. Uh, it's magic it's, it's magic. so so well done that it like it really pulls you in. Um, after it was done, I was not like, oh yeah, that is, you know, that is amazing. Or I was like, you know, I definitely have had, you know, years to sort of reflect and read a lot of hot takes on Hamilton that have Mm. certainly like stuck in the back of my head while I was watching it. Um, but my two biggest sort of things to take away from it were one, we should do this with all musicals. It's uh, all theater. It's silly that, uh, Yeah, they're locked away for the rich in, you know, specific <laughs> theaters. Uh, yeah. And secondly, the biggest takeaway from uh, Hamilton I had was that if Lin-Manuel Miranda had not written it, uh, there's no way he could have been cast in this show. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. He's he's not a bad singer, but the quality of the talent that's in the rest of the show, especially like the um, the the, Shin, the Shite Sisters what that what's the name of um but like the three sister characters or the guy who plays um Bo or um of Jefferson just the amount of talent that's on that stage and then you know Lynn Manuel Miranda's there kind of like I I can act too. I wrote it so I yeah. get to do this yeah um that's, that's yeah, an it, interesting take it I is like certainly that. like pretty good uh the direction is really nice it definitely you get a lot of great stuff from watching it at your home i definitely could see like if i saw it live being even more impressed with it just because the the choreography is so good and just like that um super bear set they have uh and the way they use it is really really clever it's just it's a it's a cool show. I, the reason I'm worried about it, so I haven't seen it yet, um, is that I've been told two million times that it's the most important and best thing that anyone has ever created, and it's the peak of humanity. And I just have never ever had something live up to that. Yeah. And I've only ever been disappointed if people build something up that way. And so I'm afraid. And also, I know how this is taken uh, in society. And so I just don't want to be the only person who notices that Lord of the Rings is bad. Like, I just no, don't no, want to I mean, be God. in that position again. I mean, first and of all, I don't want I, you to do that either. I, I feel like a lot more people dislike Hamilton now than they did a few years ago, as more people have seen well, it. right, so then if I dislike uh, it now, I'm just hack. Well, no, I, because, <laughs> because the thing is, I don't... This is going to sound very insulting, Alex. Oh, wait till I, you hear what I have to say about me. I don't think you would necessarily look for the sort of like there are real problematic sort of issues with Hamilton. Uh, Uh. that that definitely kind of like watching is like, it's unintended. Like I, I really love when people compare Hamilton to like the West wing in terms of like what it's trying to do and what it does. And the type of person who really relates to it is the kind of person I'm not a big fan of most of the Mm -hmm. time. Um, Mm. that like, Hamilton has like this sort of You know you are talking about my sister, so just be cautious. Yeah. Um but it's like hey And she's rad. My my wife really loves uh The West Wing. Uh she hasn't mm. watched it in a long time, but maybe she would feel different if she watched it now. But it's the type of thing where it's just like it's this very sort of like quaint um 
sort of like status quo liberalism that really yeah. annoys me in a lot of mm. things where it's just like, uh, the world can be good if we just don't acknowledge any of the problems that are actually happening with it. And it's very sanitized mm. and clean. Um, you know, and it's certainly like, it's not my place, but I think that, you know, a lot of like black writers I follow who talk about like the way the play, you, you know, just does not address slavery or straight out rewrites slave owning characters as being anti-slavery mm. rings really hollow with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I told him, but it's the type of thing that didn't really bother me because I'm not super well educated on these historical figures. But when these writers I like point these things out, I find it very interesting. Um, but I, I think that like all that kind of stuff aside and, you know, you're the type, Alex, you know, you, uh, you've mentioned on this show, you don't understand what themes are. Uh, I do have some issue with themes. So I believe I the theme of that musical is Hamilton. Yeah. So I think that if you go into it with like a real sort of Alex Falcone signature surface reading of it, uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll come out pretty clean on the well, other funny, side. funny, you prefaced the thing as being insulting before that wasn't that insulting, and yeah. you just let that one come at me without yeah, a warning that, at all. Right. Well, it was, That's true. It was, <laughs> it was a long road around to the insulting. Oh, okay, that was the um, point. Yeah. yeah. I will say I will say a much more surface-level thing about the show, which is that, you know, about like three, five years ago, everyone was talking about this musical, and since I did not live in New York and have a million dollars, I couldn't go see it, and I was like, how is everybody talking about this musical? They haven't all seen it, and the answer is they were all just listening to it on Spotify, Right. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. is not a way I've ever taken in a show, but they were just listening to the, the music over and over again, so I put the music on, and absent a stage show, the music from Hamilton sounds like a high school improv team doing an, a rap game oh, and it's, shit. it's very difficult uh well, it, and it gets much better the music i'd say than the first okay. few songs okay uh, yeah i only made it through the first song or two and i was like this, no there's, this is good and I, I believe it was with a pure heart because i was like i'm not giving this a fair shot I don't I, I hate it so much right now. I'm going to turn off and wait till I can actually see the show because I yeah, fucking love musicals. So I probably yeah, will like it because I like musicals and but I'm just it, worried about it. It is theater. So they're trying to make sure you understand what they're saying, which is why you kind of yes. get that cadence to it. Yeah. Um, and the other sort of last thing I'll sort of say about that idea is like people who you know really like it. Uh, you either people who liked it for years, you know, either listen to the soundtrack or do what I think a lot of people did, which is just watch it on like Pornhub, where it's been up <laughs> for years. Oh man! Uh, I, I wait, guess, what did they Hamilton's like it on, on purpose, Pornhub, or did they just like accidentally search wrong and end up there? No, no, I mean, first off, you know, you can watch almost any movie in theaters, right? Movies aren't in theaters right now, but any movie that is theaters, because people can just upload whatever they want. Uh, porn sites are great to find like theatrical releases of new movies on them. <laughs> this is genius. Like, uh, I can't believe I've never thought of this before. I'm surprised you. I have definitely heard of this, maybe just from Anthony, but I'm surprised you haven't because you're such a veteran of the internet. I can't believe it. Well, but yeah, lot, lots of porn right now. I'm literally on porn right now on this podcast <laughs> you, live. Live you, porn right now. <sighs> If you ever want to find a cam for anything and can't, uh, porn sites are good places to check. Oh, man.
That also wow. seems like not a fair way to watch I it. Should, okay. Next time I'm searching for anything, I'm going to check porn first. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. how do I do my taxes? Let, let's go to porn <laughs> first. <laughs> Pornhub is how you can... Yeah, it's the only way you can get TurboTax to actually give you its free version. Because <laughs> you have to get it from Pornhub for us. All right. Um, Anthony, was that your thing you were going to tell us about? Or do you have something else you want to tell us? No, real quick I was watch gonna, yeah, I was going to watch... Uh, I watched a few other things this week. Um, uh, the thing I was going to talk about was kind of on the conversation we had last week about uh, you watching David Fincher's Zodiac. Uh, yeah. I was like, you know what's a Fincher movie I've not seen since it came out, and I don't remember if it's good or not? Uh, Panic Room. Kind of a movie oh, yeah. sort of forgotten of his, I feel like. You know, sort of like post-Fight Club, pre-Benjamin Button, pre-Zodiac, whatever came next. Um, and so, yeah, I've not seen that since uh, it came out. I didn't remember much about it besides the fact that... Uh, there's a panic room involved. Yeah. Uh, totally forgot that Kristen Stewart plays Jodie Foster's daughter, which is one of the best mother daughter pairing. Cause Kristen Stewart could totally be Jodie Foster's daughter. Uh, <laughs> they look a lot. Yeah. Of yeah. Um, they could both be Coppola's for all I know. Yeah. Um, but it is incredibly well done. Very tense. Um, it is kind. It's funny, sort of like I was watching the movie and thinking about the way, like movies, or at least for me, at least like introduce concepts that like become, you know, bigger than the movie and it's something you know, but you only know about them from. Oh yeah, movie. yeah. So like very I, early on, you're talking about panic rooms. Well, no, that's that was kind of what got me thinking about it because everyone knows what a panic room is nowadays. Yeah. But in like yeah. the first five minutes of the movie, it's pretty sweaty. The way they're like, and this, it's called a panic room. Yeah. It is a thing that real rich people have. And people are like, yeah. I've never heard of this before. Um, oh, interesting. So what's another but, example of that? Because I can't think of any the other example for that is at the end of the movie, what the criminals are trying to steal is like $20 million in bearer bonds. Oh, yeah. And it was that was the thing that like really clicked it for me. That was like. I don't know. If I found $20 million in bearer bonds, I wouldn't know what the fuck to do with them. No idea. Uh, how, what, how would I even recognize them? I know they're a thing because people yeah. will steal them in like at least But they're five. only a thing for crimes in movies. I don't... Yeah. It's what like, I've never heard of them in any other context besides a crime in a movie. Yeah, well, I know during World War II, they sold them to like, you know, fund the war machine. Uh, but I don't know what else you do with bearer bonds. And I think that's what, uh, the main character had in blast from the past. So sometimes you just get rich in the future with them. Uh, I don't know really what you do with them or how they work or what they look like. Uh, but it's like a thing everyone knows if I was like, Oh, we got to steal these bearer bonds. Everyone would be like, Oh, I know what that is. But I don't think anyone actually knows what that is. Uh, interesting. But yeah, panic room. It's a good sit, uh, very tense. Jared Leto is in it, but he's a real shithead, so it's he gets killed early. That's not really a spoiler, but fuck him. Joe Foster's great. It um, and it's a really great example of like Fincher's sort of, as a director and his sort of transitional phase of his career. Like it's it's so funny to look at like. Uh, like Fight Club and Panic Room, which really have like these very showy cameras going through banisters and mm-hmm. going through buildings type thing. And as he's gotten older, he's really kind of like 
just chilled out on that front. <laughs> Such a less, I mean, he is still doing really crazy technical stuff, but it's not, you're not like aware of it. You're not like, oh, that you camera. You can't see him through. like grinning at you while he does yeah. the slick maneuver anymore. Yeah, like, like a lot of the stuff in Fight Club would make me feel that way. Be like, look at all this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> pretty I, cool and, guy. Pen's room is like, you know, the camera goes from the third floor to the bottom floor. It goes yeah. through the hand of a coffee yeah, yeah, cup. Yeah, yeah, I've seen, I, really I've seen the movie. I've seen that a yeah. million times. I've seen that yeah. so many times. Uh, and uh. it also was like talking about last week about like the way Fincher's work has been super like, he's one of those directors he's so stolen from you don't even realize. Like you look at like the credits for Seven and the way every serial killer movie opened yeah, exactly you like that. Yeah. Uh, I forgot that Panic Room was the movie that introduced like floating 3D text in cityscapes. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, yeah, which oh, I, is, I just watched a tutorial on how to do that last week, which is so common nowadays. And it was like yeah. Panic Room was the first movie I ever saw that did that. Interesting. Uh, and now that is just such a widely accepted stolen thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, 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 I know how to do it in After Effects. I can yeah. do it for you. It's just, it's just kind of neat. But yeah, definitely holds up. Uh, it's a good little thriller, especially for a movie that takes place entirely in one house. Uh, yeah. That's hard to get. You Very know, affordable. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to get a lot of good tension out of that, but I liked it a lot. Forrest Whitaker is great in it. Dwight Yoakam. Yeah, I like um, it. Uh, really quick before Hunter goes, I just want to say, I also want to tell you, Anthony, I watched Moonstruck uh, on your recommendation, and we really liked it. Aww. It's real good. It was super fun. So thank yeah. you for that. It's, I mean, it's the most, it's a bonkers movie. Uh, yeah. And Nick Cage is a genius and very he, well cast in it. He lost his hand. He lost his bride. <laughs> the, 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 there's so much good stuff about that yeah. movie. Um, I think my favorite, there's one of my favorite parts is just right at the beginning when she, like she helps put her fiance on the plane. And then this old lady mm-hmm. standing there pointing at the plane goes, do you know anybody on that plane? And she says, yeah. He goes, she goes, I cursed that plane. I want it to crash because my sister's on it. And I just love that character that just tells someone that she put a curse on your plane. Yeah. Anyway. Moonstruck fucking rules. It was super fun. Hunter, what else did you watch this week? So I watched, um, actually, I can't remember. I think I th- Anthony may have watched this a few weeks back. Uh, Shin Godzilla. Did we talk about Shin Godzilla recently? Am no. I just making that up? Good. Uh, I want to see that. Well, I've yeah. not gotten around to seeing it yet. So I, I I used to be a big Godzilla kid when I was when I was a little uh, boy. I was a giant dinosaur, uh, and I was radioactive, and I went, uh, which is actually not what Godzilla noise at all. But uh, I mean, but you just you just love Matthew Broderick movies. You love yeah, uh, no nope, Uh uh-uh, uh, get that away from me. Not <laughs> no good for me. No way. For some reason, actually. I actually forget the name of the Godzilla movie, but um, when I was a kid, I saw, and I, I don't know how, because I know I didn't have a copy of this movie, um, but somehow I had like a VHS that was some sort of weird like dinosaur mixtape where it was just kind of like, here's dinosaurs from movies. And it had this one part that showed some scenes from a Godzilla film. I forget which one it is, but it's the one where you got Godzilla. It's one of the goofier ones. And then he has a buddy in this movie that's like an American robot named Jet Jaguar. Um, I've lost everyone except for one guy. And that guy's like, I'm with you, ride or die right now. Um, And 
really good movie. And from then on, I've had a lifelong love for Godzilla and I'm trying to get back into it. I wanted to watch like one of the cooler Godzillas, but I thought uh, I wanted to watch one with uh, with Elena. So I picked the most the most recent uh, Japanese one because uh, we, we're not watching those American version ones, although the one with uh, Brian Cranston was OK. Um, yeah. Shin Godzilla is the 2016 Godzilla made by uh, Hideki Anno, um, who made uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, a very famous anime from the 90s. Uh, And it is, uh, it's sort of like, okay, uh, have you ever seen the British uh, comedy show, The Thick of It? Um, Mm -hmm. Or like Veep, actually? Veep is a much easier one. Yeah, I've seen Veep. So, Shin Godzilla takes the whole premise of like there's a giant monster, it's attacking Tokyo, and it adds the tone of Veep to that. (laughs) It says like, what if Godzilla is attacking and the government, they just look kind of dumb and they're just kind of flailing around and they're like struggling to address it. Um, It's very, honestly, very hashtag relatable right now. (laughs) <laughs> um, with just the general yeah. like outlook of the world right now, but yeah, so especially the first half of the movie, there is these really humorous scenes where Godzilla is clearly attacking and like really fucking shit up, and there are all these scenes where basically uh, all these bureaucrats are sitting in rooms and they keep ad- adjourning their meetings just to move the meeting somewhere else and start over because they are so thrown by what they should do about a giant monster attack. Um, wow. That for basically the first 30 minutes of the movie, they do nothing to, to address. Does it Godzilla. ever occur to them that what they could do to solve the monster attack is um, stoke racial division? It doesn't occur to them uh, how that would be kind of inappropriate. I think for the 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 scope of the movie, it would be really hard to put that one in there. Um, I will say this: what's interesting about the movie uh, is it, it does sync up with a lot of stuff going on right now. But um, it was made uh, actually. Anno was upset about. Uh, he felt that the Japanese response to the um, earthquake in Fukushima. Uh, in the early 2010s, uh, he thought they they really pooped the bed. I don't know anything about it, but I know that that was kind of his motivation to the portray one, the Japanese government it, as being inept. The one with the, that was the nuclear meltdown, Fukushima. Oh, was it? In, in my, am I screwing that up? I thought it was an earthquake. No, I, no, I thought the earthquake caused the flooding that caused the yes, meltdown. Yes, yes. Now I'm, well, now that I'm Google, I, I, I looked it up on Pornhub and actually it says all of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Um, I think that is super funny. I that sounds like it's such an interesting idea and a uh, and and a cool one. And I just wonder if the government was if it was actually like it wasn't even the government's fault. It's that there was just more testing for monster attacks. Mm-hmm. So they weren't actually more monster attacks. It just seemed like there were because they were doing yeah. so much more testing. Yeah, they yeah, stopped. they were doing so many testing for they they were checking so much to see if Godzilla had crushed. If you just people. checking for Godzilla crushes, then then, there would then not it be would there. go down, and you would never really have to worry about it as much. Yeah, are you um you psyched about Godzilla versus King Kong coming out some point? Well, I I mean I watched Godzilla King of Monsters. Uh, on Pornhub, and I didn't really care for it too much. It kind of lost me. It, it it has the classic Godzilla problem, which is like Godzilla's really cool when he's on screen, and he's like generally the most fun part of the movie. And then there's like all the other parts, and sometimes the other parts that's kind of a big chunk of the movie. Uh, yeah. And with 
with Godzilla King of Monsters, that was definitely what was going on. So I'm a little bit afraid that they might repeat the same problem. I would love for there to be good human characters and Godzilla. Don't get me wrong. And that is what's cool about Shin Godzilla is since it has more of a comedic tone, when there are just people on screen, it's still pretty fun. Um, but you, you gotta have both. Suggestion. Here's my free yeah. pitch. If they haven't finished making Godzilla versus King Kong, mm-hmm. make no, no. Godzilla versus King of Kong, Billy Mitchell has to fight Godzilla. Love it. I like Love it. it. That's too, um, I mean, that's a win-win regardless. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, um, I think that they would probably love that in the notes because uh, it'd be much cheaper than what they actually filmed. Probably, uh, yeah. No, that's the great. Uh, I don't know if irony is the right word, but great tragedy is that they had already filmed all of Godzilla versus King Kong before Godzilla King of the Monsters came out and bombed. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they already had. They was they were you know so hot about their monster universe. That they were like full steam ahead. Uh, well, yeah, they had they had the whole movie shot in the can by the time that last one came out and tanked. So they are just sitting on a movie like shit. Well, honestly, <laughs> I, I'd like if if there might be somebody that listened that was like, hey, I kind of like the legend. I, I like the American Godzilla movies they're making right now. I am kind of annoyed at the way that legend. Like, I don't really understand the deal that much, but. Um, the reason that there hasn't been a sequel to the 2016 Japanese Godzilla is because for some reason it's worked into the deal with legendary pictures that they cannot release another Japanese Godzilla until that movie comes out. Godzilla versus King Kong. And Oh, and then they're sitting on it. So they're basically like, they've just, they've got a blockage in the whole King Kong or in the whole. Yeah. It annoys me because the American Godzilla movies are not, or in just in general, those movies are kind of, I mean, not to say they're all bad. They're definitely, they're not all bad, but it's like not, it's not as interesting to me. I would just give me more Japanese Godzilla movies. I don't care about what's going on over here. All right. With, we're going to make that the last word on this topic because we have to move on. And I have had a great time talking to you. We've basically done a full episode without actually bringing up yes. our topic. But we have a doozy of a topic to discuss. So much interesting stuff sure. I want to talk about today. So um, today's ma- uh, main feature is we're talking about the 1990 film Class of 1999. This episode was sponsored by Destiny on behalf of Eudora. Hi, Eudora. So um, we talked about this a few times. Uh Eudora has the twins. This is second twins turn. Uh, Eudora's turn to get an episode chosen. And uh, Eudora has chosen Class of 99. And Destiny says this. She says it's because it's it's if you haven't seen it, it's great. It's got Pam Greer, Stacey Keach and Malcolm McDowell, plus guns, gangs and androids and totally inappropriate forklift use. It is a family favorite. It was filmed in Seattle and features an absolutely real bit of freeway that used to point straight into the water. Also, my dad and a lot of our friends worked on it. So that, great. I wonder if this is a little bit like the way my family. 1776. Yeah. You, yeah. you see the tie in now? I wonder if maybe not everybody outside of this family adores this movie as much as they uh-huh. do. Um, well, also, like, I, you know, they worked on it. So I can see how, well, you exactly. know, I've so written some pretty stinker jokes that I really liked. You know what yeah, I mean? Totally. Totally true. And it's it actually has so there's a bunch of interesting lessons I think about this for our slightly condescending film school. So I think it's gonna tie in. Um, but one of them is we we've talked about how many different people work on a movie and how many of them are not involved really in whether or not the movie is good exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Destiny's dad, um, wa- I followed up about this because I was so interested about the fact that he worked on the film and she said, uh 
that he was a he was a camera op, mostly a first AC slash focus puller, sometimes an operator. And focus puller, I have been putting together from the words. It sounds to me like there's somebody operating the camera and then someone else just operating the focus and turning that part of it the lens. Is that really a right. full job? Yes. I mean, yeah. that's, Anna, that's a separate job. Well, I mean, it's something like it's it's a different skill set. Like you can like you can do all of it, but like you can't be focusing on like if you're the director of photography, be worrying about lighting and blocking right, and camera right. movement and being worrying about pulling focus it's like you have you know you have a boom mic operator and you have someone recording the audio you know it's right, not the yeah, same yeah, guy yeah. um but yeah uh, focus pullers on like an indie film it might be the same guy holding the boom pole and adjusting the yeah. levels yeah and also might be you know a someone moving the camera and pulling focus but yeah, yeah um, and building sets. yeah yeah okay so that's super interesting to me i didn't know that but also it feels like so like destiny's dad the focus puller might have done a brilliant job in this movie. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I didn't all hear the, the shots words, were I, in focus. I have to I didn't give notice them anything out of focus. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't notice in particular like how the focus was changed from one part to the other. So maybe, but uh, maybe it was brilliant. But that is so interesting that there's p- all these creative people with these very specialized skill sets who are involved in making this movie, and then the final movie comes back and they could be like, "It's a little weird, right?" Yeah. yeah. Why did we do all that um, stuff? Like, that's I such mean, an I don't think. I also don't think anyone working on this movie was like, guys, I think better get your tuxedos ready come the Oscar season. Uh, <laughs> they already knew what your, this was. Yeah, are you ready for your four-year consideration poster you're going right, to get for right. the great... Well, I do want to come back to that part about knowing what it was, because that's super interesting. But I do. But before I do that, I want to actually um, go a little deeper into Destiny's Dad, uh, the um, Wait, focus puller. What did you just say? We'll focus back to him. That's why I, I, I said. Um, I think you just said you want to go a little deeper into Destiny's <laughs> dad. Um, <laughs> I need to get off Pornhub. Yeah, <laughs> I knew that this is uh, on behalf of a fourteen-year-old. Uh, um, so You're the one who's saying it, pervert. Stop talking yeah. about a grandpa. Yeah, and here's what I'm saying. Um, so Destiny was kind enough to send me along some clips of her dad that she recorded yesterday, telling stories about working on this film. And so I'm going to play you a couple uh, little bits of this. Um, I want to play you a couple of quick stories about it. So the first one that I think is really interesting is about um, how the free fire zone was made. So I'm going to summarize the movie in a second. But one of the things about it is that there is a large portion of it's in the future. Actually, let me summarize it first and we'll come back to this. Okay. Three sentence summary of the movie. Class of 1999. Uh, number one, in the future, youth gangs on generic futuristic drugs have made educating the youths impossible because they're too violent. Um, to try to fix this, the guy from Clockwork Orange hires a military contractor who's made teaching robots that may or may not just be repurposed military robots with tweed jackets. And those teachers go on a killing spree of children and are only stopped when the two rival youth gangs uh, running the school join forces in their mutual hatred of the ed- educational industrial complex. So that's the movie. So one of the things that happens is that this is so violent, this, these gangs in the, in the future in 1999, it's so violent that the city just abandons a portion of the city. They're just like this gang territory. We don't touch it. It's a free fire zone. You kill anybody you want here. There's no problems. And it's a really interesting set of just this like burned out part of Seattle 
right? It's a cool looking piece. It's yeah, it's kind of Mad Max looking. Like Super they Mad all Max got crazy Max. weird cars. They're so into welding. That's one yeah. of my favorite things about this movie is that the kids are into welding. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so this whole wrecked city with these Mad Max cars, guns, all kinds of stuff. So here is uh, Eudora's grandfather. We'll do it this way. Talking about uh, how the free fire zone came to be. Okay, the free fire zone was a area that was south of SeaTac Airport, and that land had been purchased by the port or whoever to expand the runway, and there was a whole little community down there, and they literally bought all of the houses, they emptied it, they were going to level it and build the airport. Easily 20 blocks Pretty much all of my art punk rock friends got hired to go paint graffiti on the buildings. Oh, those were so much fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they, they said they'd never been paid and given all of this paint. And then when they asked, what do we do? They said, we don't know. Whatever. Just do whatever. Make it look like post-apocalyptic gangs on every building. And so literally they literally graffitied every building in this you know 20 block area and then the art department came in and they brought in you know broken down cars and they had like trash can fires and all kinds of stuff like that the the only thing the city wanted is that they wanted certain buildings left for the fire department to set on fire so they could go train so they just probably they just took an existing part of the city, they were gonna blow, they were gonna get rid of anyway. They just like were gifted, just like junk city, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah, we just had some like bit of the city that we we were gonna throw this part of the city in the <laughs> trash can. <laughs> so hey, anyway, do you want this? Do you just want to like, have this? The movie producers saw this little village south of SeaTac, and they were like, "Hey, are you gonna finish this house?" <laughs> and then they just did. They just destroyed it, and they brought in just like local kids who graffiti to graffiti it. That's fun. That sounds super... like the best job. Yeah, it sounds like a heck of a good time. And uh, um, so you can see, like, I think part of this helps why, like, as a family legend, why the movie is so fun is that like it involved a lot of the local art community, which they were clearly a part of, being brought in to just do bananas shit uh for this this movie i which i think is super super interesting the other uh quick i don't, I don't have time for all of the stories they're he's a really great storyteller but um i just want to play one more little clip from him which is um you may remember in the i believe this was in the free fire zone but anyway there was a there was a big battle the two gangs have to get together and fight at mm-hmm. one point yes yes um so i want to hear this is continuing on the theme of the art community in seattle being used used here um, so this is a, a little bit of background about that big, uh, big gunfight. There was probably, I don't know, maybe 75 extras that comprised the two gangs. The, they were given weapons and all of the weapons were real because there were Uzis. There were, there was a shotgun that had a rotating barrel that would fire like 18 rounds before it needed to be reloaded. There were Uzis, there were uh, AK-47s, real guns, because otherwise you don't see the flash coming out of the front. Okay, so that's already insane, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That 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 shouldn't. I mean, that's that's wrong, right? Is he lying? I don't think that's right. I, I mean, mean, maybe that was true. I, but no, I think he's lying. I feel like I'm right. being lied to right now. That's crazy. You guys, you guys know they they use real guns in movies. Always. Not, yes, they. You. I mean, you can use prop guns if you're using for like close effects, but if you're going to like fire rounds. Mm-hmm. And you want to get, and unless you want to do like now, you can do like CG burst at the end of guns right, right, right. on them. But yeah, I mean, most of the time you are using. That's why they have like real weapon experts on there. Um, yeah, so but I, just, but, uh, Anthony, I'm going to push back a little bit. The idea that the extras in this movie would have real guns, this, yeah. 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 That's the idea. That's the part I'm pushing back on. I get it. When I see a gun, when I see you know Bruce Willis. On the big screen, baby, that's a real <laughs> gun in his hand. I get that. I totally get that. You don't but, want to have him have like an orange tip on his gun. Yeah, I get it. I'm I'm totally on board. But th- we're talking about giving children, ch- art children, which is the worst <laughs> type. Okay, real real guns. Uzis. You're just giving like, 75 local punk kids Uzis to hang out with. Now, if you did that, they would be forced to go to like two weeks with a boot camp. Where they learn like gun safety yeah, stuff like yeah. that, and you say that with that sounds reasonable to me. But yeah, uh, but I mean that's how you know it's like how uh, Brandon Lee died. You know, someone. Yeah, yeah. They, Wait, really? They, what? They, they, Brandon Bruce Lee, the, the Crow, baby. Br- no Bruce Bruce Lee's son, Brandon Lee. He was filming a real gun. He was uh, during filming of the Crow. With a few weeks left of photography, there's like two different types of blanks they used, no. and somehow they no. got both type got you're pinned just... to the same gun. Uh, it, Can't believe you're uh, just finding out about this right I, now. Like this is. I mean, we've me me and Hunter have had years to deal I know, with this. You're the obvious, this. Dude, I've, I've been to his grave, which is in Seattle, by the way. I've literally yeah, been to his grave. Bad. We just found out the guy died. For movies, he died for movies, dog. Yeah, oh, he, but yeah. So, like, if you watch The Crow, that's why, like, it's it's edited kind of weird, and there's a lot of shots that you can't see his face because it's like an extra mm-hmm. they filmed without him. Still a pretty good movie, though. Would have been a great actor. Very died very before his time, but yeah, he yeah. he got right, so- he got shot in the chest on the set of a movie. Oh, that's so sad. Grandpapa, fortunately, no one that I know of was killed during the shot, but Grandpapa goes on about no, but how- if they did, Grandpapa helped cover it up. Let's be honest here. Let's, he did. I bet he did. Sure. Uh, sure. guys, all of us were taking this to our graves. <laughs> uh, he did. He did tell another story about a uh, stunt person getting um, badly injured, but I don't have time for all. But I want to finish up on this story. Real weapons. These are extras. A lot of them were punk rockers who had not seen daylight in <laughs> years. And here they are. They got hired basically by what they look like. Right. And those people that you see milling around the two gangs, they didn't have costumes. That's what they you. showed up in. That's what they were told to wear. Wear yeah. your normal clothes. Which is very similar to when we were talking about the Warriors uh, recently, which is where they just hired a lot of actual gang members in New York to show mm-hmm. up in their own costume, in their own local attire to be that. Um, it's a little weirder here because these are clearly like music art punks, not so much like shoot each other at school punks i like, mean these are pretty like 
it's a real gutter punk aesthetic. It which is. is a pretty violent punk group, uh, especially in Uzi's uh, violent. They're like scuffle because they catch you drinking, but they're I, like not. I don't know how many uh, gutter punks from the '80s Seattle scene you hang out with. I don't hang out with any because they're dangerous lunatics. Uh, but I would imagine, yeah, the uh, all of us spend some time at basement punk shows in the '90s. I feel like this just—I mean, at least the group I was with was not violent, but like it just one of the things that was weird about it was I was like, it just didn't seem like these people were the kind of people that they sh- that would like shut down a corner of the city because of the gun violence. Yeah. Uh, hmm. But uh, yeah, it's really anyway, it's a it's just a bonkers scene and it's super interesting. And so you can see why it ties in with a couple of other, other discussions, but you can see why the family has a lot of positive thoughts about this movie. Um, uh, but here's my challenge to you guys. So uh, we're doing slightly condescending f- film school. This is a sponsored episode, but that doesn't mean that our professors get the day off. So here's what I want you guys to do. This is a this is a very specific genre movie, uh-huh. uh huh. Right? Like this is not a movie that was like you guys are joking about. It's not meant to make make Oscars, but I'm challenging you now to find something to teach me from this movie. I mean, I got I got some stuff off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, yeah so- Okay, film so, take away from watching a movie in this kind of well, fun genre. I I just want to say to the family who has love for this movie and you know put it up for us to review. Thank you. I'm yeah. really happy you guys get something out of this. Um, let me tear this movie apart for you. Yeah, I, I genuinely hated this movie. <laughs> oh my god, I found it. I like. I, okay, I watched Lawrence of Arabia. In one sitting, Seven Samurai in one sitting. I had to do this in three sittings. I just oh. could not keep. I was just so checked out. But honestly, here's what I would say from a film school perspective: and it, the number one thing that really ruined this movie for me, uh, I think one cast well. Big part of this, like you no, know, even if you don't can't get like really great actors, get better actors than these. Uh, <laughs> That's just a small thing. I, I thought the leads were unbearable. I got I got um, something to add to the cast. I, w- I was going to also have a casting thing. I might as well just throw it in right now. Yeah. I actually think Malcolm McDowell was miscast. Or, mm. like, I didn't understand why we have Malcolm McDowell and Stacey Keach. And Stacey Keach... Stacey Keach was, is awesome in it. Yeah. But I just felt like they could have let one of them go home. You know what I mean? Like, he, it could have just been like, one. Of, we okay, we have both of you. I guess Malcolm McDowell will be the not bad guy not sure what's up with that i guess you'll just stay here they should have just sent yeah. one home just keep one but of it, them and they'd be good it really felt to me like the the directors would be the type of guys who are like the most special effect in this most expensive special effect in this movie his name is malcolm mcdowell and he's in the corner right now you know we we spent most of our money on that but this this is a great movie because i was watching this you know Look, just sort of like just really sort of staring at it and taking it in and it might have seen but like a lot of movies from this time period specifically the two that came to my mind to mind are like the terminator and robocop yeah sure um, yeah. i feel like, like I this movie no, I, think, I, is, I think i have a reason why is, is it because both of them also have the theme robots yes well, I was, the theme robot. of, yes uh but i mean i i think that there's like this, you know, getting by, getting very far on very little uh, is something all three of these movies have. I don't think this movie doesn't get as far. But the biggest difference to me between, like, those two films that I think are, like, two of the greatest movies ever made. Like, 
legitimately would be in like my top 20 of like all movies, Terminator and Robocop. Uh, and this is like one, I really feel like if you had someone like Paul Verhoeven who kind of got the humor of this material and the sort of satirical undertones of it, yeah. it would be better. But my biggest problem with this movie, Wait, the thing that like... You, before you wrap this up, I want to talk about that a little bit more. I do think that one of the things that was... Because I, I did not dislike it as much as you did. I definitely liked the second half or the last third a lot more than the first part. And what I thought was not as successful at the beginning was it didn't seem to have a sense of humor and it didn't seem to actually be saying like I, I, I in my normal surface level reading could not find that sense of the, the theme. And like clearly the, the thing going on in this movie is that people in the 80s were horribly afraid of crime. And I think like you could make this movie where the point is everyone is afraid of punk rock kids who are actually just kids who want to make music and listen and be artists and not pay much for rent. And that the real danger is in these rich people running the military industrial complex. And actually by bringing them into schools, you're making the schools more violent. Like there's something here about, about that and about the uh, police escalation. And this movie is, they're actually saying those things. It's yeah, right there on the table for them. Bother to say it's not saying anything, and it's it's like you know it's battle royale meets uh, RoboCop essentially. Yeah, is the premise of this movie. But to me, the biggest takeaway of what I would actually show this movie in a film class for mm-hmm. is this: uh, this movie is a great example of. Uh, and this is not her grandfather's uh, work, uh, knowing people who worked on the sets. This is all in the director and the editor. Um, but this is one of those movies that it, you just watch it, and it's like the world does not go a inch past the frame, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just one saying. of those. It's like you. It's just like okay, we have this really elaborate set. There's all these like little details on it, but you just know if you like, you look right, it's just going to be a regular ass hallway there. Or yeah, look yeah. left, you know. And it's like you look at something like RoboCop. Which, like, that Detroit feels like it goes on for miles, right? That Detroit feels lived in. It feels like you could walk out of the frame and just keep going and probably get mugged by a weird mutant guy, right? Uh, <laughs> or, like, even, like, Terminator, the very few sequences of the future war. There's, like, literally, there's just, like, small-ass dingy hallways because that's all they could afford. But it feels like those tunnels go on for miles. Yeah. It feels like... So how this does one do that? What do you, so you're saying like, like so from a literal standpoint, in all movies, the world does not go past the edge of the camera, right? No, like, yeah, you don't build sets you're not going to yeah. film. So what do you mean? How do you? What does it look like artistically? How does one create the effect of the world goes on forever, even when it clearly doesn't? I mean, it's a tough skill to get, but I think it like what it really comes down with like those movies. It's like a sense of like good world building and like nice paced out information. This movie so, has so like a, see like, like the, the, the purpose of the I, long hallway. I can, give, I can give a specific, maybe yeah. just citing the movie kind of given a specific example of where it kind of lets down in this, uh, in this way. And I'm going to, I feel like I'm like you, Alex, I enjoyed the movie more when I felt like it got to where it wanted to get to. And a lot of the first half kind of felt like, well, the movie's got to have this. Um, so at the very beginning of the movie, there's that sequence where they're like 
going to school or they're like driving through the zone and yeah, yeah, you've got yeah. Mad Max cars everywhere. You've got just like the kids are like crazy well armed and yeah. like it's just fucking nuts. Right. Yeah. And then we get to the school and the school, as far as I can tell, is just a regular school with two with a fence and two yeah. little towers. Well, yeah. But beyond that, it is a regular it is a regular school and yeah. even the inside of it, the classrooms themselves also regular school. Also the yeah. characters themselves pretty much go from in, in the kind of whiplash, the tonal whiplash of look how fucking crazy these future punks are to like, well, but also they do kind of have to go to a regular school and mostly once they get to the school, it's not like they're like shooting each other at the school. They just kind of like, you know, they back talk. They're like not very nice. How many paper airplanes? These are like violent street gangs. And as soon as you put them in a school, they're like, Oh man, I'm going to make a paper airplane and launch it. It's going to be so disrespectful. There is a whiplash there that makes the world feel a little like just kind of painted onto. Yeah. these kids go to school because they just don't <laughs> live in an anarchic part of the city where there's no cops. You have guns. You have the social. Why? why we, that's the best question. Us? That that is the question they should have asked while they had this the script in front of them. They should have been like, "Wait, why do these kids even go to school?" Well, you guys so get that. Of jail, that. Like, first thing I got to do, got to go to school, man. Uh, got to well, go to school. You guys, okay? So, do we all know the story? Of like that, this is the second part in the trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so the, yeah, so class of 1984 was the first one. I know yeah. nothing about that. Which is like not so. It's wild. I love like we talked about this on like Alien or Aliens. Like this certain ways to do a sequel, right? And it's uh-huh. like the best way is the or not the best way, but one of the most effective ways is to like change the genre of the movie, right? Really sort of switch it up. Uh-huh. Uh, the first movie in this is not at all science fiction. It's just literal. A hmm. teacher comes into a rough school and has to like battle against some students. And like the teacher's mm-hmm. the hero, but it's um, like the yeah. substitute or like dangerous minds. Maybe. I'm trying to think of like, there's a lot of this type of genre, right? You know, like a teacher gets into a dangerous school, especially in like the late eighties, early nineties. This is a very popular movie genre. Uh, but so it's just a straight laced one of those. And I just love the idea of like, I want to make a sequel to that, but I can't crack it. And then someone comes in with like, what about robot killer teachers? Uh, and they're like that's it uh and then the sequel to this which is called the class of 1999 part two the substitute which i also really why is it called class of 2005 or something i I don't know it's crazy uh but yeah so it goes class 1984 class 1999 class 1999 part two the substitute uh this is a weird film trilogy yeah Uh, I just want like the first part of the movie. This is what I felt like was like the first part of the movie was trying to be sort of like almost like stand and deliver. Like you're coming into this difficult situation, but they're robots and they're going to figure out a way to get to these kids. And then you're like, well, they're a little more violent than I would like. But then like, an, and then he's been just like so much of this gritty gang life and about this kid and his brother. And like, he's left a gang and we have to really care about like whether the gang's going to kill him for leaving the gang. Mm-hmm. And 
then the principal like, makes sure his daughter goes to the psychopath the high school rather than like enrolling her somewhere else. But she also like she just looks like a normal kid, and so she's just walking this hallway where everyone is a vicious street gang killer, and then she just looks like a preppy girl, and right. like some bad things happen to her that I do not want to talk about. Um, oh, so we don't God, have to put yeah. warning warning label on the movie or on the episode, but like. Mostly it's just like why like it makes no sense that she's there. None of the stuff with her, it's just such it's so jarring. Um, but then like the the second half or the last third of the movie is like the there's this okay, they they realize that they're that the teachers are actually pretty violent and they're like, oh, they might be robots, and then they might be like killer robots. And they're like playing us against the other games. Which I, yeah, which is an interesting I like, concept. I but like that game, premise, the idea of like if it was more of like the teachers being sort of Machiavellian behind the scenes, playing these two oh, gangs yeah. against each other, and then they have to like team up, I think that you could have done that with more. Yeah. Um, done more well, with it's that. Also, it's three, it's three robot military teachers driving around Seattle in a Ford Focus, yeah. killing kids and then labeling them from the rival gang. It's the most bonkers thing. But then the last part of the movie is just like an insane 80s action movie of that where where the two gangs i mean one of my favorite tropes in creative world is when rival groups have to get together to solve a problem mm-hmm. i love i love it and so the idea that these two youth gangs have to join forces to kill their teachers not really they're robots but to yeah, fight yeah. robot teachers is so silly and fun and then the violence that they actually do like the robot animatronics are really fun and uh like not super realistic all the time, but sometimes pretty great. Yeah. And um, after right. uh, Pam Greer gets like shot in the chest, her like robot nipples are hanging out, but like also she's bleeding green goo from her stomach the whole time. It's just a crazy, weird, violent kid movie. Riding uh, motorcycles in very narrow hallways is always Riding pretty neat. Side is so fun. Yeah. Like that half of the movie is so enjoyable to me. You know, it's just, uh, a big it's so weird that they mash these two movies together. Uh, a big part of my in like kind of like feeling like this movie was dragging. Like I said, I really did just the the lead performance is really the part I think where this movie just completely falls apart. Yeah. If you had a more charismatic, uh, more interesting young actor in the role, this movie would be infinitely more watchable. I felt uh, like he was trying to do like a James Dean thing, yeah, but like if sure. you're not that guy, you can't yeah. be that guy. You know what I mean? That's not a good guy to try to be if you're not. Basic, like not great at acting things where the like yeah. the pacing would be weird where someone would speak and then he would pause and then say the line as if he's responding naturally. Like it just there was it just didn't seem like he was uh, the most skilled actor at the time, which he's and, a kid. And um, then my other big problem, like f- pretty early on in the movie, I leaned over to my wife and I was like, no, it's a fun movie. The faculty. Yeah. I've seen oh, that yeah. a long time. Kind of yeah. want to watch the faculty. And then the rest of this movie, I was like, I should just watch Robert Rodriguez's the fact, the faculty. <laughs> uh, and we were like, isn't Jim, Jim uh, James Stewart in that? And they're like, He's in that. Isn't Robert Patrick in that? We were just like going through the cast of the movie. That's the uh, one where the teachers have to drink a ton of water, right? Uh, do they? I know the teachers kill the students because they're yeah, aliens. They're, they're, the yeah, teachers yeah. are aliens. They're from like, a water planet. And so like, I just, my biggest, I think they end up like killing the main they one. They hate salt. At the they're, end. they're like slugs, right? Don't they hate salt in that movie? That sounds right. I just remember them like 
like having to stand around the water heater drinking like insane amounts of water that's what stuck around mm-hmm. for me water and then another real small thing go- going back to this movie a real like this is really uh kind of petty but this is one of my tropes it really drives me insane in movies like this sci-fi movies involving killer robots mm-hmm. it's like okay so you go through all this time developing these incredibly realistic war robots, right? Yes. To the Human point up. that they can look like, you know, Two different races, yeah, yeah. different different sizes. They can look really old. They can look really young. But the second the, like, weapons come out, it completely destroys the illusion <laughs> permanently of them yes. being killer right. robots. Like, it's, it's so cool. So each one of them has a has a different weapon built into their wrist. But in order to use their weapon, it has to permanently destroy their hand. Yeah. So one of them has a the flame strange thrower. design choice. Like it yeah, feels. It's, it's no, like we're... a real. What are these like single use killer robots? Because you, <laughs> you're not going to pit them back in the goddamn field once yeah. their robot hands are gone. The lady has a flamethrower. It has to burn off her hand first, and then she can shoot flame. Uh, the other guy has like a rocket launcher that explodes out of his wrist, and then the third one has. Just a drill, so he has to drill off his hand. But then all he he can only kill you if you stand still and let him hold his wrist well, against your head long like into his brain. It's a claw with a drill that comes out, so he grabs you and yeah. then slowly drills it's in. It's a claw drill. Yeah. It's not that helpful unless he's also hanging large pictures. Like it's just such a weird third weapon. But yeah, anyway, anyway they have to blow off their own hands, so it's not like. They can pass the Turing test for weeks at a time, and then they're like, oh, shit, now I got to fight. Get rid of their hand. They can't go back and teach after that. Like, they're done disguising themselves as not a robot. It's something that happens a lot in this type of fiction, and it's just like, I I get that it's a cool effect, but like, why would you design something, go through all that work? Why don't you just have them already have, like, hook hands? So so this way they can put someone back on it. This is... Yeah, or just it's a removable hand that you put in your uh, pocket and then put back on when you're yeah, done shooting. Yeah, just, just something. Um, yeah. Other, my other, some other fun things about the robots. One is that the in during the sales pitch, uh, he says 1,000 megabytes, um, which is just so delightfully 80s. <laughs> like, like your watch has five of those now. Uh-huh. Like it's that you and and the idea that they thought at the time, like the optimism of the eighties, where they're like, in ten years we'll be able to do this. In ten years, with only one gig of memory, we're going to be able to build a full autonomous AI machine robot, teacher yeah. robot. Like it's just so it's so fascinating with the um, Terminator overlay. Like that, <laughs> it, it'll just all come with that, you know. Yes, and then in. also. The kids trying to figure out there. There's like there's something wrong with these guys. Um, my favorite thing is they break into the house. They go through the house and there's no food in the pantry, just cans of WD-40. Oh god! And then yeah. Later, he shoots the teacher and all the bullets bounce off. And he's like, "I don't get what this thing is." Like, he is impervious to bullets, and he only eats WD-40. Like, you have the tools to make this oh, conclusion right, on your right. own. That's what happens when you don't get a proper education, Alex. Yeah, you know? the kids are too dumb, dumb. That's the yeah. problem. Um, and then Can we- his girlfriend is—they're going through the house. Okay, all there's no food, just WD forty. There's these huge liquid nitrogen canisters in the living room. No furniture, no decoration. 
But in the closet, they find one, she finds a lacy bra without matching panties, and she's like, "This is suspicious." Oh God! Yeah. As a woman, you would never not buy the set, and you're like, "Like, eh. like none of the rest of this house bothers you." But you've that, never, like, you've, and you've never lost any underwear in your life. How possible she's wearing now? Like, that, how- <laughs> that is such a like a male screenwriter thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like, oh, I I know women. And Fuck then he, no women. He yeah, showed that's, that's, that to women, right. and they so many tongues had to be bit uh, <laughs> for that scene to get to. But can we take a moment to really talk about um, Stacy Keach's character design in this movie? Because yeah. that is easily so he, number he, one uh, with the bullet in terms of the best thing about this movie. thing in the movie. And th- that's why I say they should have just sent Malcolm McDowell home. They should have just said like, listen, like we didn't need that to spend the money on you. We're good. Yeah. Casey Keach is, he runs the military robot creation operation. There's no reason is, why he could not have been the principal. You're absolutely yeah, right. He yeah, should have been both. We didn't and, need and Malcolm McDowell to be in the movie at all. Was an important character. Yeah. And so, but Casey Keach is like, they created these robots they used him in South America for a war, apparently. And mm-hmm. then the he's like, you know, war. and he's like, you know what would be a good use of these if we have them teach history? And so then he sold them to the education department. Um, and some things about his character design, since you mentioned it. So he has got bleached white hair. Yeah. He has entirely white contacts. Yeah. And in all of the scenes that we see him, he's drinking milk. Well, he also has a rat tail. So that's a rat he has like these, but it was like future mullets. It was like the eighties imagining where hairstyles would go, and it never occurred to them that they wouldn't be mullets. They would just be different colored mullets. Dude, if more of the cast had been having as much fun as he <laughs> was having, I think it would have lifted the movie up I think quite some a bit. Kids were having that much fun because the other character, like other design things, I liked about this movie was that the punk aesthetic with like the spike uh, leather jackets and stuff was part of the gangs, but also the Blackhearts gang wore a lot of floral leggings oh yeah yeah, yeah. oh no, i'm not saying those, those people weren't boys. having fun i mean like yeah. i just felt like pam greer was kind of like you know she's here i feel like she she, she could have been a little a little hokier maybe she didn't really care about the movie too much uh malcolm mcdowell as i've already said i feel like just shouldn't have even been in it though history teacher guy he was having fun he was into it. I oh, think. yeah. I thought, the, I thought he was having a great time. I thought even that the, the um, PE teachers having kind of fun. Uh, the killer robots were like, yeah, oh, OK, they're having a decent time. Um, OK, I want to press you a little bit harder, though, on learning stuff. Uh, I'm going to go with Hunter now because Anthony gave us he gave me some like sort of negative lessons to learn from the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd like you to teach me something from like about filmmaking that we learned from watching this movie um, that is not from the negative standpoint. And if you can't, I have a, I have a suggestion. You don't have anything that comes something, to mind right away. Hunter, something that you couldn't learn from Lawrence of Arabia, but you can learn <laughs> from class of 1989. I've of these movies but we haven't discussed yet or this reinforcing something we have discussed. Yeah, it, it it did make me miss, you know, because we've talked about a couple problematic movies recently, and it made me feel like, man, I'd let's just get problematic every every week if it has the quality of Lords of Arabia versus this. <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, well, yeah, okay. Movies, there's a lot of homophobic stuff, and then yeah, yeah the sexual yeah. assault, and the yeah, oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah, and we're not even. It's funny that that for a movie like this, we could we could just kind of talk about it in kind of a dumb way, but uh, well. As far as I, I guess I'll I'll call my lesson Chekhov's bus 
Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Because there was a I, early on, there's a bus, and Armored because bus. of the general quality of the world building, you see the bus, and it's just like a regular bus, but it's got like some stuff on the front, and that's yeah, like the welded, like, like yeah, like welded Mad Max stuff. Style. Uh, let's not call it Mad Max style because it's just like, a regular like, bus. Like with Mad Max episode of Disco- of uh, Mythbusters style. Yeah. Actually, you know what? It, you actually bring up now a point that I think invalidates my point because they had better cars they could have used besides this bus. But anyways, uh, Chekhov's bus, if you, if you show me a bus in Act 1, you got to pay it off by blowing up a school with it in mm-hmm. uh, Act 3. And also when a car crashes, it does explode. Uh, every yeah, yeah. time, yeah. uh, that's, okay. that's what I got, man. Like, let me take something from, okay, let me try something else then. Um, the lot, we talked about budgets uh, a couple weeks ago with two different, this, what you, this, what called- this movie had more money than Repo Man or the Warriors. That's some perspective right there. More than both of them combined, probably. Um, this movie was, it cost about, a, about $5 million. I was going to say though, that still doesn't sound like a ton of money to me. And this movie actually, like, it had a lot of stuff. It had a lot of big set pieces. It had a lot of cars that exploded. It had, uh, it, they threw a car into the water. It had, they blew up a school. They had three animatronics actors, like three, like, pretty yeah. involved animatronics. It's actually pretty ambitious what they're going for That's here. Right. I feel like this is actually kind of a lot for $5 million. So can yeah. you, and, and Malcolm McDowell and Stacey Keach and Pam Greer. So it wasn't just the kids we'd never heard of. Like, how does, how did that, like, how does this fit into our discussion of budgets? Is 5 million a lot of money or does this movie look like it, like despite things you might not like about it, does it look like it was actually a really well spent 5 million? Um, it, it depends, you know, on like what movie you're trying to make, you know, if you're trying yeah. to do a big, sort of dystopian science fiction movie, five million's not gonna get you super fur, but like we said, like something like Repo Man or Warriors were definitely way less than this. Terminator was about this. Um see, but Terminator's like, okay, so that's essentially the problem with the movie is a lack of focus, right? Yeah. There's just not a a singular if you're gonna make a sci-fi movie like this and you only have five million dollars, then your science fiction element is really only it's best probably represented in like one piece of the puzzle, right? The Terminator is the only sci-fi element of the movie. As far as like, if we're just talking about it in terms of physicality, Uh, besides the Terminator, they're just in the regular world. And I think class of 1999 is trying to set it in a post-apocalyptic world, have there be robots have the kids be of this world as well. There's no there's no element of the movie that is kind of of our world, which I think would be the classic way to actually kind of make this work. Well, I so mean, one something my, needed to go. One of my biggest mm. problems with the movie was the big like motorcycle chase like halfway through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When they literally drive out of this movie and into 1980. normal Seattle. Seattle. <laughs> uh, and then drive back into this movie yeah. at the end yeah. of the chase. It's like, that's just a good example of that. Um, of the but, world. And that's a really good point, actually. So I know the idea is that they left the um, militarized zone and then went into the normal part of the city. So the idea that, like, all violence in the fu- in the future is, like, captured in this area. But what it actually looks like is that it looks like this one area is in a very different world. 
Yeah, and it's it's the type of thing like you you have more focus, and also you know I don't know if you know what numbers you can find on the class of 1999, how accurate those really are. Um, you know, maybe the you know Malcolm McDowell and Judy Greer got good paydays on this movie, right? right. Um, but yeah, it's all going to kind of come down to priorities. It's going to come down to sort of what you spend on. There are a lot of vehicles in this movie that are only in it for about a combined total of maybe a minute of like the 90 minute screen time. Um, maybe getting more use out of something like that's going to go a longer way. Well, but my um, thought was that it looked expensive. And so the idea, and it didn't seem like $5 million is that high of a number. So I guess like, well, one thing is it seemed like if all the you know, if, if the if the main set, the biggest part and the biggest set piece was like the city let you destroy part of the uh, like a whole neighborhood because it helped them with building their airport. That seems like a good way to save some money. Yeah. Um, And it did also uh, I did. I read somewhere that the uh, prison scene at the beginning where the main character gets out of prison, they just like shot it in a local prison for free. They just yeah. like a prison, let them do that. So it does seem like maybe there was like a decent level of that sort of rock and roll filmmaking where you're like just asking people for stuff and just and not doing it. Like if Warner Brothers wanted a, a, a prison, a prison wouldn't say yes for free. But like if you're just like some local guy in Seattle, like, hey, can we film in your prison? They'd be like, sure. Yeah, but there were a lot of I mean, a lot of props, a lot of costumes, a lot yeah, of Yeah, you blew you up know, a lot of cars. Those are real cars that yeah, you had to get. Cars, like yeah. it, that's where I feel like that's the big money stuff. And also we had like, you know, some pretty established actors that I, I did look up. Malcolm McDowell um starred in nine films in nineteen ninety. Um, oh, so do you think Malcolm McDowell had like a gambling problem? Could have been. Could have been a <laughs> Nicolas Cage situation where yeah. he needed to make some money fast. Um, well, so I have not. I was going to ask you about Malcolm McDowell too, just because like I know him from Clockwork Orange, and I get the impression he might be good, but I can't tell you a lot of things I've seen him in besides that. So, uh, have you ever seen Tank Girl? That's a fucking I, science. It's been fiction. a long time, but yeah, we. Oh, I think we watched. It. We might have watched Tank Girl for this show back in the day. I can't remember now, but I've definitely seen Tank Girl. Tangle um, fucking rules. We I, oh, I'm so confident we wa- we have so many episodes I don't actually remember, which is embarrassing. But I'm I'm fairly confident we watched Tank Girl. Yeah, I liked Tank Girl. Um, he's, he's in, in a Star Trek Generations, which is yeah, not is. good, but that's, <laughs> that's something you know. I, I feel like okay. he's he's kind of he's. I mean, he strikes me as a very talented actor that is has just been in a lot of strange places, you know, just like I hey, shows up in a random movie here. That isn't very good. He's generally yeah. always a pretty good part though of the yeah. movie, even if the movie's not great. All right. He's so I figured it out. You know, he's like, he, he's you know, some actors really care about like their legacy and work. Some just want to do work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So this is a digging deep in our archive. This is back in episode 155. And the reason why I didn't remember is because we didn't do a full episode about Tank Girl. But we did. So we used to do occasional film festivals where we watched three movies in an episode. And we did three movies that featured rappers with ice in their name. <laughs> so we watched Vanilla Ice's Cool As Ice. We watched Ice Cube in Triple X State of the Union. And we watched Ice T in Tank Girl, um, where he plays a kangaroo with a $5,000 prosthetic dick. Um, wow. So that's a fun thing about that. Uh, yeah, I yeah, and and really, he's not really in that movie, so it's kind of a stretch. But that movie's crazy. Um, anyway, uh, 
any final thoughts before we leave before we move on from Cosmo 99 um uh you know what actually I'll, I'll frame it better um since anthony is not being cooperative for my first one i'm gonna make it harder what? for you How on the second I one you, you, were, you were being i asked for lessons and you were being kind of a dick so here's what i, I, want. Here's, here's what I want yeah I mean, what I, want. I mean this it's easier if with this movie it's easy, easier to take away what not to do it's it's easier to talk about what doesn't work with this i think than what does work because what does work is like i don't know like i guess the robots are cool um, yeah. Well, so this is exactly what I was going to say. So the last thing you have to do, um, we used to make everybody, when we used to watch mostly um, questionable movies, uh, I made everybody start and end every episode with a compliment for the topic. And uh, we call it the compliment sandwich. We're going to do a little compliment uh, aperitif. So on the way out here, I want everyone to say one nice thing about Class of 99. I want you to think of one compliment that you have for this movie. Genuine compliment for yeah. this movie on the way out. Yeah, Easy. I mean... Stacy Keach. Stacy Keach. Well, okay, my issue with Stacy Keach is I was so convinced he was secretly a robot because of the white eyes and only dope. drinking milk. It yeah. was, I was sure he was a robot, and then when he gets impaled and it's just human blood, I was so disappointed. Maybe ah. he's like an advanced robot. You know? Yeah, he's super advanced. That's possible. Um, very Westworld. Um, I did read something that Stacy Keach was the one who suggested he have milky white contacts, which Fuck is an interesting it. decision. Um Oh, other think, milk appearance was that the the preppy girl was drinking a juice box of soy milk, which is very Seattle, and I like that. I I wonder if so, like I, I I wonder if everyone understood or everyone was on the same page of just like making kind of like a like a fun B movie because of right. I think because of the sociological stuff in the movie that's a little muddy. Like I'm not sure. Like it does feel at the totally. beginning like oh, is this movie going to try and say something? Like what are, what are, are we talking about? real stuff and then you see stacy keach and you're like well i think stacy has an idea of what the movie is <laughs> and, and i just kind of wish everyone had seen what he was doing and was like yeah let's do that let's like let's go let's ham it all the way up and just have a good fucking time i i think i would have if they had done that from the beginning if there was more of that or if they'd been if they'd just been focused on that i would have enjoyed it or if they had been trying to make a better point about society i would have enjoyed that i yeah. do i totally agree um I mentioned a lot of the design things, though. I definitely liked a lot of the design. I mean, I love, I just love Mad Max cars. I just love people modding cars with welding torches. Yeah. Um, and I also liked a lot of the clothes. I loved the colorful leggings that the guys were wearing. Um, and that's an interesting, because like one of the things that people do when they're predicting the future in design and clothes a lot of the time, uh, it just it is is bonkers. And I just can't imagine a time when people would decide that that's cool because it's so out there but the idea of being like in 10 years with this violence one thing that might happen is that the guys might like that some of the gender rules might break down and guys wearing leggings might be more common and that's a super interesting way to think about the future more so than like they'll have seven foot electronic signs implanted in their hair like th this is a much more interesting way and cheaper of designing a future so yeah, i see you know what i, like I think them. So in my, if I like recut class of 1999, it's funny because I actually think I would keep stuff like the leggings and I would actually probably cut the Mad Max cars. We can lose the cars. Let's just have it be a, because we can't, I, I feel like there was something in this movie where they're like, we can't make a future school and be like, okay, it's a regular school. Then let's lose all the outside of that future stuff. Well, how about, it's just robo teachers and the kids are still shitty, but they're not yes. like, you know, like Mad Max post-apocalyptic shitty. 
Because I think those two didn't worlds just didn't make be. sense together. Yeah, it didn't yeah. make, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because then you'd be like, well, you went to school because you're just a kid right. um, and you don't run your own house and gang. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think that that is a big part of what made it is that those are two different worlds. Yeah. Um, all right, Anthony, your turn. Um, so uh, there is some stuff to like on oh, this movie, no matter, matter how hoish I sound on it. I love future drugs. I'm always a big fan of those. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, All the individual vials of it was called Edge. Yeah, uh, not the not the best name. It's no nuke, but it yeah. will do. Um, well, and uh, what it wasn't it called Face before. He was like, "What I do? What I did like about the drugs is they was like, what's this drug?" And he was like, "Oh, it's Edge. It's way better than Face or whatever the earlier one was." I like, I like and I face do, as because a drug. of the way like yeah, I, but and because of the way like every couple of years, uh, they like. Uh, like come up with a new name for MDMA. I feel like mm-hmm. this is actually pretty realistic for the way drugs operate. Uh, so, but my main compliment, I would have to say, uh, there's some pretty, um, for all my kind of criticism of the directing and stuff of this movie, there's a few things. I really like some of the stunt work, especially, I always love people on fire. I just love, Oh yeah. I, I love, uh, flame a good fire. Scene. Um, that's great. And then this is one shot where his, uh, during the big shootout, where uh, a friend of the main characters is pulled through a wall at the waist, and yeah. he kind of just like folds up like a like a table. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was a neat uh, effect and perfectly in focus. So <laughs> I really enjoyed that shot. That's that was perfect. clever. Some All good right. body horror. I always love me some body horror, dude. Yeah, uh, actually, that ruled. That's a good so, scene. I, was, I also think the like, robot through the locker with his hand as a blade and just like ripped it. There was some the that part, the silly action, the B movie actiony stuff. I thought did a lot of that work really well. Where they're just like killing somebody and then making a quip about the st- subject that that robot. That's used to when teach. the movie really finally gets to to the yeah. point where I think it makes sense. Um, yes, and, and, and it does feel like overall the movie is having more fun with itself. Besides just like the Stacy Keach scenes. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to we're going to make that the last word. We have one more order of business before we go. So stick around for that. All right. For our final segment, before we go as part of the sponsorship, we're going to uh, Disney has asked that uh, we give Eudora a pep talk. She said Eudora could really use a pep talk right now. So we discussed last week the keys to a good pep talk. You may recall one of the main things is not to tell people how things will turn out because we don't know that, but tell them about tools that they already have that we know from experience that they have that will help them. So let me give you a little bit more information uh, that might help you a little bit with Eudora. So as I mentioned, 14 uh, and her and her brother Guthrie, her twin, have been uh, listening for years. And I mentioned Destiny that it's probably not great for someone to spend their formative years listening to this show. And as evidenced by this episode. Um, <laughs> and I said, but I'm sure you know what you're doing. And she responded thusly. Uh, when the twins were in fifth grade, we had a parent teacher conference with Guthrie's new teacher. When we sat down, the teacher gave my husband and me a smile and said, Oh, you're Guthrie's parents. You must have a good time at home. So well, I think that means yeah. we're doing okay that or we're seriously messing up and the teacher hated us uh we're still not totally sure but so we know that they like our show we know that eudora at 14 loves this movie and we know that since they've been in in school their teachers have thought boy you must have some fun at home so and we do also we know destiny went to film school and her uh, her dad was a 
focus puller, among other things, and that they lived in an artist commune in Seattle. So that's some information for you to help with a pep talk for Eudora going forward. Mm-hmm. I guess just a general pep talk. I don't know about what else is going on. I mean, let's see, 14, that makes ninth grade, right? Something um, like that around there. Right. So possibly Eudora is going... probably ahead, though. You know what I mean? Eudora yeah, is probably in, I would in 15th totally grade, agree. I bet. Yeah, for sure in high school. Uh, and Eudora uh, could be in 15th grade, even if Eudora isn't currently in 15th grade. You know what I'm saying? Not a grade. Um, that would be college. Um, no. I think. No, it doesn't have to be. It could <laughs> be just. We're talking, the, we're talking the school of the streets, Alex. All right. You don't. You don't know because you never went. Uh, you, you didn't go to street school like me and Anthony. Yeah. Um, I uh, I do not know anything about the school of the streets, but I do know the fifteenth grade would be like almost the end of college. Um, Again, but, in your conventional book learning school. Well, that's the interesting thing is like I sort of assume that uh, I, I would also assume that Eudora is doing well in school, but, so but wait, like, are you implying that Eudora is a nerd like you? Cause that's not a compliment or a big thing to help us feel better. You know? Yeah. Building up the path that we're going to talk. Um, I was just going to, I was just saying though, like, I feel like, um, I don't know. She like, if, if Destiny went to a fifth grade parent teacher conference, they're good parents. I think she's yeah. doing normal school stuff. She's not a school, of the streets. Yeah. Um, so Eudora is actually a Greek name and it means excellent gift. So no. that's some more. St- I just I'm doing my own my research. Own research. Do you, does it mean that Eudora is an excellent gift, or it's like she's really good at giving gifts? Um, I think it would mean that Eudora, as a self, as a person, is also an excellent gift to I, the that's world. My reading too, but like I would also like to. You know, my wife is a really excellent gift giver, and that's such a cool skill when it's like the kind of person who gives you a gift and you're like, I didn't even think of this, but it's well, exactly what I've always wanted. So, you know, I think it follows that if somebody themselves as a person is a good gift, that they probably give good gifts because right, they who must. would know better than an actual gift themselves. All right. So let's get to the pep talk. So what do we know right, about I've been in it? <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So what we, so what we can say to Eudora to pep her is that, uh, well, I guess what I want to say is that, like, is, you do sound like you have really rad parents. And I know that, especially, like, around 14, your parents get kind of annoying to you. Right. Regardless right. of how cool they are. That's just, like, the structure of humanity. Um, but I, for sure, having parents like that, you're going to appreciate. I mean, it sounds like they appreciate now, but also, like, will continue to appreciate for a long time. And there's so many cool gifts that they that you have from having parents who are sometimes weird uh having a mom who grew up in an art commune and you are gonna have so many goddamn interesting things to tell people when you're in college where everyone else had boring upbringings that's true that's true also you become your parents so the only way to become a a cool person is to have cool parents actually that's actually true terrible thing to tell a 14 year old because it doesn't sound pleasant but no 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 you all become your parents, but and not necessarily the best parts of them. So the fact that they have more cool, interesting things uh, suggests that you'll you'll be less sad when that happens. Yeah, that's that is a good that is a real good sign. I would I would kill for good parents. You know what I mean? Also, I, I I think it's really interesting that um, we should not kill for that. That would not help. Um, <laughs> I do think I'm it's in cool on stage, that- bud. <laughs> um, I think it's really interesting that her and her brother have like listened to the same podcast, like. I 
have found in my adult life that my relationships with both of my sisters who are very different and who we like we share different things we're like where I'm kind of the middle of a Venn diagram in, in a lot of ways yeah, for them yeah. uh, is just, it's just one of the most rewarding and delightful parts of being an adult is Eudora, like getting you have along. excellent podcast synergy with your brother that I'm just saying that's cool. real it's going to be so helpful sibling later on. synergy is some of the most powerful feelings in the entire world okay yeah, yeah. i got wish all i had stuff. that i couldn't listen to i bought my sister um an album i don't even remember what album it was one year and she for christmas and she i and i, I remember i remember this very well and it was also it was the last time i got my sister like an interesting gift because she was <laughs> she just like after christmas was like i'm not trying to be rude i'm not trying to be mean but like I'm not going to listen to this. You know, I'm not going to listen to this. Do you want to just take it back? Like, it's no biggie. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just like, literally, this is this is trash to me. And and you know what I do now? I ask her what she wants and I get her something. So there you go. I mean, I this is a, a, a separate conversation for a show that's not already so long. But at some point, I, I need to figure out what the point is where you stop buying your adult siblings gifts because they make more money than you and just buy stuff when they want it. Sure. At some yeah, point, yeah. it's like less magical to buy someone gifts when they don't. You don't spend. You don't live in the same city, and they are just buying stuff when they want it. But um, so at some point, we have to deescalate gift giving. But uh, my point is for the pep talk is that you have all of these cool things in your family that we already know about to draw on, and all these weird experiences of growing up, and you have all of that power that is gonna. It's gonna when you have things that are difficult, you have that power to draw on, and I think that's something that you're gonna you're gonna find incredibly useful. Um, also I would say like 90% of the best people I've ever met are from Seattle. So you have this huge advantage already of growing up in Seattle, which just makes a person pretty rad. That's true. Most of the time. Yeah. Like every video game now is also set in Seattle. So you yeah, can yeah. really digitally explore your own environment if, if you need to, that's like an option you have. That's a specific Seattle privilege. I live yeah, in Portland. Sure. I ain't got shit. There's no Grand Theft Auto Portland or anything. No. You can play no. Gone Home, but even that's true. You can, play, oh, you can find Christmas Duck. It's very Portland. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I I have to say, you're 14 years old. Um, maybe don't take compliments from a bunch of 30 year old dudes. Okay. Uh, compliments. That's, uh, but my point is, you got your whole life ahead of you. You're filled with energy and life and everyone. Your parents obviously really love you. And yeah. that's something that's awesome. Uh, I I can't say that for myself, you know? Uh, yeah. So good on you. Uh, I'll take comments from guys, but definitely listen to their sad stuff. That'll yeah. help. Um, but no, I think like you are living through a much cooler time than I did growing up. Just thinking about... The video games I had was the video games you got. Yeah. Um, better games. You've got better games, Eudora. You need to be thinking about these better games you got. Think about your better, the better video games. This is the second reference to video yeah. games in this pep talk. Uh, but on, on, that, on that same um, same thing, something I've got to say uh, to every kid, apparently, I meet or get a chance to get things in your head. Be real uh, careful with these weirdos on YouTube. It's a real <laughs> hell show right now. I don't follow it. I feel like an old man just looking in, but 
A lot of these people seem like they suck, and I think you have a better head on your shoulders than them. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, oh, you mean like Nazis? What? You mean like Nazis on YouTube? Well, I mean, that that's what I used to think a few years ago, but now it's just like all these big YouTube channels are imploding due to weird oh, okay. scandals. I thought this was going to go in a direction, so I'm glad. Okay, no, that's good. No, that's really I, good. Say, I say, you know what? Also, don't get into Nazi stuff, no matter how much apparently Alex wants you to. No, uh, no, I thought you were saying that there were creeps on the internet. This, I was like, okay, oh, this pep talk is going off the <laughs> fucking rails right now. To be clear, Hunter, they've listened to the show long enough to know that it's never not happened. Like okay, we've never what? had <laughs> focused pep talk. No, I there, hear you, but I'm just kind of like I'm just hearing myself and the show, and I'm just kind of like, where are we right now? I think we really, I think we nailed it with the whole like game out, Eudora. It's time to game. Okay, yeah, get your right, head in the right. game. Games are good right now. Play all the them. You can want, in, including the ones about Seattle. That's a good point. Yeah, we should really I, just. I got, let me let me say one more thing. <laughs> let me just... One more thing. I'm gonna you never re-rail a train, Anthony. No, no, I'm, I got, no, rail it no. back. Rail it back, no, Anthony. Got, I'm with I'm you. I'm gonna tell you something as a 14 year old that I was told as a 14 year old that made a huge impact on me. Uh one time when I think I may have told the story on the podcast before, but one time I had a, a teacher come in, a history teacher I really liked come into class and he just sat down quiet for like the first five minutes clearly going through something uh and he stood up he looked at the class and he said my job is to prepare you for the future most of the jobs you will take in the future don't exist yet so i have no idea how to prepare you for a future (laughs) that doesn't exist i don't know what i'm doing with my life and then he sat back oh my god oh my so this is different. So, this is life advice, not pep talks. But now, since no, you've no, that, have one more thing, I, I just, I just want to say that made a huge impact on me. And he's right. Almost everyone I know does stuff that did not exist. That's true. Uh, when I was in high school, certainly this, what we're doing right now. Us, all three uh, of us have that did not exist when you were in high school. Oh, for sure. I don't even really have a job. That's how much yeah. my job and is a weird us. thing. These are not. But, it is it is to this day one of the most like vivid, impactful memories I've had. And right now I think the world seems very scary for a thirty-three year old man. I can't even imagine how terrifying and weird it must seem for a fourteen year old. Um but just think of how much things can change and you're gonna be doing cool spaceship shit probably, so that's fucking rad. Uh I wish I could be doing that, but I can't because I'm stuck down here locked in the house. Uh but it's going to be awesome. You're going to be like, you'll probably be the first person ever teleported. You know what I mean? Yeah, probably uh, first teleportation I games. I would Have we talked about video games yet? Those will probably yeah. be better, huh? I have a story that matches Anthony's story. So when I was uh, 15, I got my appendix out. And while I was in the hospital waiting room, waiting to be diagnosed with my appendix having exploded, uh, I sat down and this guy looked at me in the emergency room waiting room and he said, Hey man, never get any of the forms of hepatitis. <laughs> so that's my advice for the future as well. Like it do just not, seriously, do not bad. get hepatitis. Think, and, hey, that's the best one. Don't get any of them. Yeah. And and I'm not saying this like avoid it. I'm saying like I will be personally mad at you if you get hepatitis. Like that is the tone. You will Thank be you in so trouble. Much. 
Yeah. Eudora for listening. Thanks for sponsoring Destiny and thanks for the story, Grandpapa. Um, it is time for us to go. I think so. That is it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again next week. Next week, we have another sponsored ac- episode. Next week, we're talking about the book, The Wizard of Earthsea. This is um, sponsored by David, who says this. It's a beautiful book, and I personally love it since it is the story of my life. Maybe it's yours as well. So that will give you something to think about while you're reading this book this week. It is a well-regarded um, piece of uh, fantasy, and I am very excited to get to enjoy it. And um, also very exciting. Ezra will be back next week to talk about Yay. that book. So, um, I look forward to that. Uh, if you have any feedback for us, send us an email podcast at read weepcom Thank you again for sponsors. Thank you to all of our meat buddies. And thank you too for being here. Thanks for being here, Anthony. Yep. Yeah, glad to be here. And Hunter, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, hey, thank you. Both of you, I will talk to you guys next week for our first book episode in forever. Take care, goodbye.